that person in the dress and the high heels is so much stronger than you could ever possibly hope to be. Uh, because she came out in that knowing you would be here, knowing that there are a thousand yous, uh, people like you out here. Um, that person is mentally and emotionally stronger than you could ever hope to be because you're out here just cosplaying boy, just like everybody else. I'm Krati Mehra and this is Beyond the Goals podcast. It's my attempt to help you revel in all that life has to offer without pressing pause on your hustle. We learn how to create healthier relationships, a healthier lifestyle, a career that brings us true joy and a life that satisfies us on every level. Forget the conventional ideas of success and happiness because we're going to live a life of value and create an impact that speaks to our place in the world. So let's get started. Welcome back to Beyond the Goals. This is episode number 36. And today we are discussing a topic that's very close to my heart, something that's key to recovery and growth for a lot of people. It's about owning your story, living your truth, declaring your truth, and doing it from a place of grace and patience, something that our guest, Brian Broom, understands and embodies. Brian is a writer behind the book, Punch Me Up to the Gods, and guys, this book is amazing. It's a memoir. Brian has shared his story in the book. The early years growing up in Ohio as a dark-skinned black boy struggling with his sexuality, with his father, friends, and community members, forcing him to conform to a very restrictive definition of how a black man is supposed to behave, dress, and even think, leaving no room for honest self-expression. This book is gut-wrenching and heartbreaking, but it's also glorious, strangely uplifting, and despite the very painful story that has been shared in it, it's deeply relatable. The incidents may be jarring for some of us, but when you look at the fears, uncertainty, guiding the actions of each character, they will all seem familiar to you. The story is about a gay black man who spent years trying to make sense of what the world expected of him and trying so hard and failing to find a point of reconciliation between all those expectations and everything that his heart and soul yearned for. And I don't think I'm wrong when I say that we all have at least some understanding of what that feels like. We've all denied our truth for more acceptance, and in doing so, lost our identity and our individuality in the struggle that followed. Brian lost himself too, in drugs, alcohol, and sex, and in today's conversation, we learn a little bit about how Brian found the courage to take ownership of his story and make his way back to sanity and a place of truth where he was able to accept his past and make room for a future that's truly his own. Brian is an award-winning writer, poet, and screenwriter, and Kay Leroy Irvis fellow and instructor in the writing program at the University of Pittsburgh. And today he's sharing with us some of what he has learned from his struggles and how we can all begin our journey towards living a more honest life. So, you know, apart from the fact that you are clearly a, an amazing writer, you created such an engaging narrative, you the way you have, with such integrity, the way you've shared your life, you didn't spare yourself, you didn't you were so honest about everything and you tried to do it with so much grace. I think you managed it somehow, despite everything you've endured. And I'm, I'm seriously in awe of you. I have to say, because 
you know, I, I have not experienced anything of that magnitude, but I know what it's like to feel rejected because of the damage you think you have. And I have heard similar stories, but the way you've taken ownership of everything that you have gone through and the way you are showing up today in the world, that's, I don't know how you managed it. That's amazing. That's a beautiful thing to see and so inspiring. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you so much for being here. And I consider this a privilege to be able to ask you these questions. Thank wow. You. Well, thank you. I mean, that's that's incredibly flattering and it's also gratifying. You know, one of the reasons that um, I, I wrote the book was to maybe reach people um, who, you know, like you said, you know, do feel like they're damaged or, or something and, and, and then uh, wind up devaluing themselves as a result. So I'm hoping that, you know, people do uh, read it and that they they understand that that's not the case. You know. Yes, I hope so too. I'm gonna do my best to share it this with as many people as I can, uh, because it's so important. It's a very, very important piece of literature. I hope everybody reads it. Um, but I have to ask you, how did you manage it? Like this was such a huge thing to do with the way you've shared. You've been so open and so vulnerable. That's not an easy thing to do. So what can I ask? What led to this book? What was going through your mind as you were thinking about putting it out there in the world? Well, I mean, I, um, I had reached a point where, you know, my drug and alcohol dependence um, was, uh, you know, uh, uh, life ruining. Um, I started writing these stories while I was in a rehab facility um, here in um, Pennsylvania, where I live. Um, and because of the work I think that you do in a rehab facility, um, trying to get to the root of your problem. Like, I think that that opened me up to just start writing um, these uh, stories, these stories, um, you know, I was writing kind of about, okay, why am I in rehab? <laughs> you know, why am I here? What do, what do I think got me here? And so I thought, well, you know, I'll just start writing some stories that, um, you know, that I think maybe landed me here or helped to land me here. You know, I am ultimately responsible for my own, you know, drug and alcohol intake. Um, so that's where it started. And um, I didn't think it was going to be, you know, a book. I didn't have a book in mind. Um, I was just kind of writing these things and um, I enjoyed it. And then, you know, when I got out of rehab, um, I started performing around the city. Like I was, I, I, I didn't want to be around people, but I wanted to be around people. Like I didn't want to actually, Right. Uh, you know, engage with people, but I wanted to see them. So I started performing on stages. Um, and when I got off stage one night, a very nice woman came up to me and she said, you know, um, my name is Danielle. I would like to be your agent. Um, and I didn't know what that meant at all. But, you know, she said, uh, you know, what are you working? What are you working on? You know, what are you doing? And I, I, um, I showed her these stories that I had been writing. And she said, I think this might be a book. And we just kind of went from there. Amazing. Yeah. But you know, you said that you took, you you realized that you are responsible for everything for the state of your life. But that's actually a very, very different, it is what it takes to, you know, go from, uh, you know, all that trauma, all that damage to becoming someone, you know, closer to who you've always wanted to be. But it's it's a huge, huge thing to get there because a lot of us, even if you have not been through 
anything in your life, anything of that magnitude, you still tend to blame circumstances or the rest of the world for everything that you go through. So that in itself is such a huge thing. How did you manage to reach that point? Well, I mean, I don't think I've reached that point. <laughs> you know, I think I think that uh, it's a it's a you know a journey. Like right. I'm trying to reach that point. You know, there are times when I still blame. You know you know, my, my mother or, or, or whoever, you know, my brother or whatever, there are times when I still do that. But the thing that's changed now is that I don't just do that um, with no self-reflection whatsoever. I used to just sort of blame everybody and then I wouldn't give it a second thought. It was just their fault that I was having trouble and that was that. But I think the thing that recovery has given me is, you know, some semblance of an ability to self-reflect and to say, okay, you know, what part do I have to play in my own unhappiness? You know, how much uh, energy am I investing in blaming people when I could, in fact, be changing things about myself that make my life better? But, you know, I certainly haven't 100% gotten there. I don't know that anybody has, but I try. I do try, you know. Um, and I think one of the other reasons that I wrote the, the book as honestly as I could was to try to look at other people's motivations and why they do what they do. And, you know, their motivations aren't always bad. You know, my father pr plays prominently in the, in the book. Um, and I don't think that his motivations were always bad, you know. Um, so the question becomes like, you know, why do people do the things they do? Why do I do the things that I do? Um, and let's talk about that sort of mess of humanity um, you know, in storytelling. Yeah, I'm sure that as you were you know, preparing to share this with the world, there must have been moments of doubt where you thought this is too much. I cannot possibly let people see all of me to this extent. <laughs> how, did you, how did you get past those stages? That must have been, I mean, that that was taking a lot of self-reflection, a lot of self-convincing. Well, I have to say that not uh, everything's not in there. You know, um, there are some things that I definitely held back. I'm sure. But I also have to tell you honestly that while I was writing it, there were times when I would be like, oh, I can't possibly put that in. But then I would just sort of like, you know, plug my nose and dive in, you know, and just, just write it. But I still didn't understand at the time that lots of people were going to be reading it. <laughs> um, I still didn't, I still didn't, you know, when I was, I didn't really think anybody was going to read this book, you know? Um, and so it was a combination of me trying to really unburden myself uh, in writing and also the ignorance of just not knowing that, you know, somebody's going to read it, you know? Um, I didn't know that as many people were going to read it as, as they have. Uh, so now in, in retrospect, I am glad that I did yeah. reveal what I revealed because many people have come to me and, and have shared, yeah. you know, similar things, yeah. you know, in their own lives. Uh, absolutely. As I said, I'm so glad you did because, and it's considering everything that the world is going through right now, I'm so glad you did because this has opened up, uh, you know, a whole other space where people are feeling very, like feeling discouraged because of the space that you've created for them. So yeah, I'm so glad this book exists. <laughs> I, I hope so. You know, I hope so. Yeah. But I have to ask you, how did this book change you? Change? Because I'm sure where you were before the book was released and people actually read it and you got that feedback, 
and that has to be different from where you are today. This book must have changed something in you. Um, I don't think it's changed me. I really don't. Like I'm still the same, you know, idiot I was before. Um, but what has changed is that um, I am willing to try things now. Like I, I feel a little bit more confident about writing in general, and I feel now more than ever that I have a purpose. I found like what I'm for, you know, uh, I hesitate to call myself a writer, but I really can't not at this point, you know, that's how I've been making a living for the past, you know, year or so. So I think that it has changed me in the sense that I, I am, a, I am a little bit more confident than I was. I used to be very, very confident, but it was all like false confidence and it was all alcohol and drug confidence, you know? Um, and then those things were stripped away, you know, uh, from my life. And then I was like, well, who am I? Uh, and I found out that I'm a very, uh, I, I'm just as insecure as I was like before I found drugs and alcohol. So um, now uh, I think that I'm building up a person, uh, a real person, uh, as opposed to the person that I think I pretended to be for so much of my life. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think this is one instance where you can see that external validation can do good for you. And it can be a good thing instead of being something that, you know, constantly gets in the way of your growth. It can actually be a beautiful thing in your life. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's amazing. And letting go of all those stories, because as I said, I have not, like, I couldn't begin to imagine what you've been through, I can maybe perhaps try and empathize a little bit, but I couldn't begin to understand what you've gone through. But yeah, I, you know, everybody has their own experiences. I had my own experiences. I had, I went through addiction too, but, and my, I have been openly sharing my stories, but even so my mother would always tell me to hold back when I'm around the extended family because they're very judgmental. Yes. And she would always tell me, I'm afraid for you. I'm afraid that they're going to say the wrong thing and you're becoming this person and they might derail that growth. But now I feel like, no, I will show up ex as exactly who I am, but it still gives you pause when you wonder, you know, what is going through everyone's mind. So putting all of those stories in that book, were you able to let go of that, that burden, let go of that weight? Or like in that respect, did anything change? Well, you know, I've been very lucky as far as the people in my life who matter, you know, um, like my mother, for instance, um, is a big fan of the book. Um, I didn't think she, I didn't think she would be. Um, my, yeah. my sister uh, likes the book. My brother, who I didn't think would um, appreciate the book, uh, hasn't read the whole thing, but, you know, has still given me words of, of support but you know as far as external validation and and criticism you know i am still kind of that person like i could read 20 good reviews and then there's one bad one you know and i'm like focused on that bad one so i feel like i'm letting it go you know i'm letting this idea of what other people think about me as being so important i'm letting that go i'm in the process of trying to let it go you know, there are some people who say, you know, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I don't care what anybody thinks. I do what I want. I don't care what anybody thinks. And I think those people are liars. <laughs> um, I don't think that that's true. You know, I don't think that there's a person on earth who doesn't care 
Well, maybe, but like, I think there are very few people on earth who just really don't care what anybody thinks of them. Um, and I'm not striving to be one of those people. Uh, I'm striving to have what the bad things that other people say about me not be debilitating um, and just carry on and do and do what I like to do and, and try to, um, you know, do, and try to cultivate meaningful relationships you know, in my life. Beautiful, but, uh, but I usually say, I don't care what anybody thinks. But the only reason I could do that, obviously there is that moment where you, you know, show up and all eyes are on you and you're wondering, oh my God, what's everybody thinking? Yeah. But what I've done is I have, I've got these human anchors. That's what I call them. My mom, my best friends, my mentors. And I'm like, if they are on my side, I'm going to power through. I'm not going to care what anybody thinks. But I get what you're saying in that there is that moment of self-doubt that can make or break you. It can, it can pull you back or you can find a way to power through. So I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to power through like, at this point in my <laughs> life. I'm trying, I'm trying to power through it. Um, and it feels, it feels a lot better than just being, you know, just hollowed out by, you know, what you, what other people say or do, you know, with regard to you or even what you think other people think about you you know so yeah you know and that's one of the other reasons like i didn't uh i tried not to flinch too much when it came down to writing the more embarrassing uh <laughs> parts of my story yeah. yeah yeah but as they say you know your childhood does tend to define who you become as an adult so we can't ignore that the evidence is everywhere of what you experience as a child it's they say it's like self-hypnosis which is a huge deal so uh, I have to ask you, how did you begin the process of healing? I, I know that it's a lifelong process, but how did it start? Like, what was the point when you started thinking that it's beginning to get better? The noise isn't so bad anymore. Um, I think again, well, it started, I think again, in, in, in when I was in rehab, um, you know, I started to think about things in a different way. And, you know, my head was clear. You know, I didn't, I wasn't full of, I wasn't high, I wasn't drunk, you know, right. uh, and my head was clear. And the process of healing, I don't know if I'm in a process of healing for sure. You know, I never said, okay, now, you know, now I'm going to start <laughs> healing. I know that of now course. like, I'm trying to do things that are better for me. Uh, I am trying to get rid of people who are... I hate to use that word toxic because everybody uses that word. Um, I'm trying to get rid of people who I do I don't believe have my best interest at heart. Um, you know, those kinds of relationships, uh, and just trying to be better to myself. I guess you know if that's a process of healing, then you know that started. I think the moment I started writing this book, you know, I've gotten rid of a, a lot of people, um, and, and you can also tell, like, you know, the people who who don't say congratulations, you know, um, the people who don't say please and thank you in your life. Um, everybody has those people. And I have decided to just sort of trim the fat in that regard and, um, and, and surround myself with people who I believe have my best interest at heart. So I think that that's healing, you know, and I try to, you know, I, I exercise now. That's like a new thing for me. <laughs> yeah, those are, Simple but effective advice there, exercise. That builds confidence like nothing else. 
exactly. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, you in your book, you have touched on something that I think we still don't have enough conversations about. Uh, you know, the idea of what a man is supposed to be, which I think is just I, I uh, hate, hate to sound hyperbolic, but I think that's ruining lives. I think that's just making things so difficult for men to freely express themselves or whoever it is that identifies as a man. So in that regard, do you have any advice for people to, how do they dissociate from those labels? How can they begin the process where they define who they are, not society, not their parents, not any authority figure? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to that, you know, that what we were just talking about, you know, that this idea that you can't be ruled by what other people tell you you should be. Um, you know, I still struggle with this idea of masculinity um, because it was ingrained into me at such a very young age. The only thing that I try to remember and the only thing that I would encourage others to remember is that the very first thing I am is a human being before race, before gender, before, you know, sexuality, before any of those things that get, you know, sort of attached to you as you, you know, as you grow or as you grow in this in this society. Um, I try to just focus on the fact that I am a human being and that I have the right to experience everything that other human beings experience. You know, um, I have the right to sensitivity. I have the right to cry at the drop of a hat. You know, I have the right to play football. I have the right to put on a dress. Uh, I have the right to put on high heels. I have, you know, all of the things are, are available to me. Um, and, you know, I can choose to do any of them because at the very basis of myself is that I am I'm merely a human being and I'm merely a thing inside of a body that I was given. And that body doesn't have to dictate how I behave in, in the world in order to make other people comfortable with my presence. And that's just what I try to remember. You know, but it also is very much about, you know, how much you don't care about what, what other people think or say, you know, I was so funny. I was, I was, um, I was at a bus stop, um, one time I, I'm at bus stops all the time. I take the bus everywhere. Um, but this was like in the middle of the night and across the, across the street at another bus stop was a, a drag queen. Um, and she was like all done up and she had on high heels and she was wearing this like beautiful campy gown and, you know, and there is just group of, you know, boys who were heckling her. And I was thinking that that person in the dress and the high heels is so much stronger than you could ever possibly hope to be. Uh, because she came out in that knowing you would be here, you know, knowing that there are a thousand yous, uh, people like you out here. Um, that person is, you know, mentally and emotionally stronger than you could ever hope to be because you're out here just cosplaying boy, you know, um, just like everybody else. So I try to keep that drag queen in mind, you know, um, and other people who, who go against the grain because there really are very few um, exceptional people who um, really look at life and they get told that they're, they're all these things and this is the way that you have to behave and they say, you know, not for me. And they do what they want to do. So I just try to remember that. I think travel changes a lot for you. 
but you have expressed how people have these ideas and people like that, people have these ideas about race, about genders, about sexual orientations, and these people are everywhere. I think this is the one thing that you have in common, that the world has in common with each other, regardless of the country, regardless of their culture, is that they are capable of hating people for reasons that don't deserve to be, you know, to deserve their contempt. So what is it that the world can do that would help them appreciate that we are essentially, we're all the same. We're just souls walking around, as you said, in different different skins, in different bodies. That's all. You know, I I can only speak for myself. You know, I don't know, you know, people are, there are what, like 7 billion people on the planet? You know, yes. that means that there are probably, you know, 7 billion solutions to the problem, different solutions to the, to the problem. You know, I have not traveled extensively and I haven't lived among uh, another culture for very long. But I do know that the one trip I did take out of the United States, uh, which you read about, yes. you know, I was blown away by how big the world is, even though I didn't go that far. You know, I went to Europe, you know, um, I was blown away by, you know, particularly when you live in the United States. I think when you live in the United States, you are constantly told that the United States is the only place in the world, you know, no other place matters. There are no other people. And like, this is you live in the best country in the, in the world, you know. Um, but when I left here, I found, you know, that I didn't have as much of a weight of racism on my shoulders. Um, when I was walking around, you know, another country, I didn't feel self-conscious when I was surrounded by, you know, white people. And in fact, I was rarely surrounded by uh, white people like I am in the United States. Um, so for me, that was very freeing, you know, just to see Look at all these people like who are coming from all places in the in the world you know i was in kind of a cultural hub and i was blown away you know just like being like this from this little small town you know in ohio you know i really realized it helped me to realize this planet is huge i am but one person on it I only get one life. The planet will continue to be huge when I'm gone. Yeah. So why in the world am I living this life according to these prescriptions by other people? All the people and their prejudices seemed so small. And, and just from walking around, you know, just from leaving American soil, all the stuff that I was worried about seemed yeah. so tiny to me. So I don't know, travel. Yes, I think people should travel and just sort of take in that every place and, and and all these people are different. But as you say, I did feel a very strong sense of sameness, like with everybody. You know, I was in the airport in um, Paris and it was a madhouse. Um, and there was a woman there and I don't know where she was from. I don't know what the language she was speaking, but she was like, you know, yelling at her son. He was a little boy and he was like misbehaving and she was like scolding him. And I was like, that woman looks and sounds exactly like my mother. <laughs> and that's exactly how my mother would scold me. You know, it felt it felt unifying, but at the same time, immense. Um, and that's what keeps me from 
really at this point, like trying not to get too focused on like what other people think. You're one person out of seven billion. You know, I can't even comprehend that number. So, you know, just keep moving. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> in your book and in your other interviews as well, I can see like your bond with your mom is getting better. It's it's you know taking a whole other dimension different from how it's always been and but even in your book even when she may not have stood up for you the way you you may have wanted her to as a kid she you can see that she was there for you that that mall incident where you picked that shirt and you wanted to, that shirt but you could see that she wasn't quite comfortable with it but she came through for you and there's always like she has her own stories that are playing in her head that are holding her back from maybe showing up for you as maybe she wants to. So in cases like that, is there anything you want to say to parents that, you know, some way they can help their kids despite their own baggage, despite their own experiences? I think, you know, I don't have children. And so I, I, I should preface this answer with that. Like, I don't have children. I don't know what that's like. I don't know what that bond is like. But yeah. I can say as a child, as somebody's child, that I wish that my parents had gotten to know me um, before they started, you know, telling me how to be in the world. You know, I wish that I was given time uh, to get to know them and they were given time to get to know me and who I was and what I liked. And maybe they would have suited me in different armor uh, than the armor they were trying to give me. Um, so that I think is my answer, like, you know, for, for parents, you know, I think maybe as a parent, you really can't help wanting your kid to be like you yeah. in some way. Um, but, you know, I think you kind of have to let that go yeah. um, and just let your child be their own person. I and mean, again, you know, I'm not a parent and I don't, I don't know how hard that might be, but you kind of have to let them, I think, be who they are. And then you follow suit. Um, with who they are within reason of course yeah yeah because otherwise i think you would end up with a half person this your kid trying to be who they want to be and trying to live up to your expectations of who you want them to be right yeah i think that's that's uh, that's very effective advice now for like this question i've been looking forward to asking you this <laughs> which part of the book did you feel was the most impactful for you writing that that piece was most impactful for you oh boy oh i'm gonna disappoint you because i don't really have like an answer each each story was like impactful just in a different way you know the one that springs to mind today is the story about presley's bar um and that night that i went there and i met uh jason and i went home with him because today i was thinking about you know i was reminded of his pain you know, just in being so, so self-hating and so closeted. And, um, you know, and I was, I found myself, cause somebody asked me about that story earlier today and I started thinking about him and I, and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because to a people who pick up the book and they read it, these are stories, but you know, this is my life. Um, and I found myself wondering like whatever happened to him, you know, and hoping that he, what is okay and hoping that he maybe found some some love in himself you know just something uh you know i don't know where he is but you know today i would say that story you know tomorrow 
I think you know, the answer could be completely different. Yeah. And, and some of the stories uh, were, you know, another story that was impactful was, you know, the story of me um, having a girlfriend, you know, uh, who I was, you know, trying to uh, have sex with. Um, that was impactful because it's, I think it's hilarious. And I still know that that woman and she and I are still friends. And I talked to her, you know, last week. And on that day, that story was the most impactful. So um, they all are impactful to me um, at different times, you know, on different days. But, you know, I'm, pr I'm proud of them all, even though some of them are disastrous. <laughs> I did you I don't know if you changed the names in the book and or you went ahead and shared kept the names as they were and had those people read the book and reached out to you. I would be curious to know about that. Well, some of the people I still know, as I said, one one I still know. Yeah. Nobody um, in the book who isn't like a family member has reached out to me. But some people who were kind of around me at that time. Um, uh, if I change the name, they'll say, oh, I know you changed this person's name because I know exactly who that is, you know. So other people have like sort of been like, yeah, I know exactly who that person is. Um, but other people, you know, like my friend Michael, um, I write about in the book, um, who is light skinned and, you know, I was very jealous of. He and I are still are still really good friends. I talked to him today, um, but nobody has reached out yet. OK, uh, I'm waiting for that, you know. I'm waiting for that. Okay. Well, I don't know if anyone has pointed this out to you. As I said, you didn't spare anyone. You didn't spare yourself. You didn't spare anyone else either. But even so, I think you managed to maintain, despite what you were sharing, and a lot of it was so hard hitting that, but despite that, I felt like there was a compassion there. So a lot of people will find healing through your book, even though you have dismissed that word. And I get why you have, because... <laughs> healing is such a small word for that alteration that you go through you know every time you expose yeah. your wounds but i i'll stick with that that i a lot of people will find healing through your book so, I hope so. <laughs> once again thank you for that you're very yeah. welcome you're very welcome <laughs> and i have favorite parts in the book there was this this part where you were in a bar and you were sending out all these emotions towards other people but even so you could recognize even in that mall instance you could recognize that the only reason you were sending out all these emotions to other people these predominantly negative emotions were because you were feeling them for yourself and you could see that this person was so similar to you that it was easier for you to hate them because somewhere you didn't quite like who you were but as yeah. again in a different interview you talked about how you're learning to love yourself yeah. Are there any practices that you have? Are there any daily exercises that you do that's helping you? One of the things that I do is when I when I start to beat up on myself, I just immediately I stop. You know, I you know I used to spend you know hours just beating up on myself like inside my own head. So I you know and I catch myself doing it, and I just you know you know sometimes I'll say it out loud. Just stop. Stop. You know, because you're only doing damage to yourself, and this is this this you know, this self abuse is getting you nowhere. Um, and that's one of the things that I do. I also just you know take time to just breathe. I still you know have anxiety. I still have depression. You know, um, I try to take care of myself in those instances as well. But as far as like loving myself, to more address your question. 
Um, I am a writer and I am not bad at it. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I tell myself that there's something that you're good at and there's something that you enjoy. I tell myself, look at what you've come through, you know, and you're still here and you're still relatively sane, I think. Um, look at, you know, what you've done, uh, you know, from who you were. I try to look at the journey from like, you know, just, you know, a, a, a degenerate drug addict, um, which is what I was, um, to where I am now. And I try to think like, okay, that's, that's, you know, you've, you've made some good moves. You've, you've, um, uh, it's, you know, it, it, it all wasn't all an accident. Like there were good, you made some good choices. So, you know, and in the end also, I think when you get, when you get a little older, you know, like I am, I'm a thousand years old. Um, and, uh, you just really run out of energy for, for hating yourself so much, you know, and I think you really just want to try to enjoy the time that you have left, you know, that helps a yeah. lot too. A lot of, um, a lot of psychologists say that when you get tired of your own, I hate to use that word, but when you get tired of your own bullshit, that's when change happens. I think the same. Mm -hmm. for... Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that word. <laughs> but I think the same would apply to pain as well. When you just get tired of hurting yourself, you just, you have to make room for change then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that's why I just, you know, uh, I know what it feels like to just really, really hate yourself. And I know how horrible that feels. And I know what I've done in response to my own self-hatred. Um, and I just don't want that anymore. I'm tired of it. It's, it was like drugs and alcohol. You know, there was a point where I said to myself, God, I'm so tired of this. You know, uh, I didn't know what to do, but uh, eventually I found what to do. And but I was tired of it. And I think the same thing uh, applies to just really hating yourself. You know, I'm, I'm not in love with myself, um, but I do treat myself better. And that's all I can ask for myself right now. Yeah. But I think your advice is, is very effective because they, I know that there are like millions of books on self-improvement, but at the end of the day, everything is a practice and you have to stop the self-flagellation by actually stopping the self-flagellation. Yep. Yeah. It's a skill you have to master. Absolutely. And... I just try to I try to go about my day and do the things that I like to do. I do a little bit of writing. I talk to people who love me. I laugh with my friends. Um, I, I eat good food. I don't drink and use drugs and I exercise. You know, that's the best I can do when, you know, when you're a thousand years old like me, <laughs> like that's what you do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That makes sense. But, <laughs> but do you ever, uh, you know, sit down and think, what's the next level for you? What's the net? What the next stage is going to look like? Do you ever do that, or do you? I know that you know in sobriety programs they often make you do that because they they think that that's what you're going to fight for. That never really worked for me because <laughs> because I always felt pressured and closed in. But do you ever do that, or do you like take it day day after day, or? I take it day to day, you know, I am work wise. I do have an agent who is like, what's next? You know, um, I do have people, uh, who, who work, uh, with me, with my writing, um, who are like, what's next. Uh, but I just try to take it day to day. I try to like, just, um, I, you know, I, and I am writing a, a, a new book. Um, but I take it, I take it very slowly. I take it 
um, day to day. I, I'm also working on a television project with uh, a, a few friends of mine. And, you know, I don't think what's next. I think, okay, what, what interests me now? Um, and this new book idea kind of interests me now. And the, the television project kind of interests me now. So I don't think like, oh, there's, what's the next big thing? I, I just think, what's, what interests me now? I'm going to try that. And I try to make it something that I will try to make it something that I haven't done before. I am so thrilled to know this going to be another book, another project. That This is awesome. I'm, I'm so glad about that. Uh, any books, movies, podcasts, TV shows, anything you recommend to the people that usually I, I tell people that my guests that, you know, anything that could help them learn more about the subject that we have been discussing. But we're really talking about living a life that's true to who you are and just, you know, stepping away from pain for like five seconds in a day. So anything here, anything goes. Just... Um, okay, so Moonlight is a really great film um, that I like. Um, there is a really great, uh, as far as like, you know, television, uh, there's a really great series uh, called I May Destroy You um, that is amazing. Book-wise, there's a book, I'm Telling the Truth But I'm Lying. Uh, amazing, amazing book. Anything by Jhumpa Lahiri um, is amazing. She has a great book called um, Interpreter of Maladies that is Fantastic. I mean, I could keep you here all day, um, you know, saying things that I that I love at the moment. Um, I I like to watch things that are funny um, too. Um, there's a cartoon. There's a cartoon called Rick and Morty that is hilarious. Um, yes. You like Rick and Morty too? I love Rick and Morty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't just you know I don't just like talk about serious stuff you know. There are so many people working um, to tell stories uh, and doing it so well, you know, uh, that I'm honored to, to just be a storyteller right now. Um, there's so much great stuff out there. Um, I haven't been to a play in a while, but I do love, you know, watching uh, dance. Um, just go, I mean, I, just go and experience, you know, people participating in the arts. Uh, I imagine, you know, the people your, you know, your fans uh, are already those kinds of people anyway. Um, but, you know, those are my few, those are my few recommendations in like the brief time that we have um, that people should, to, should go out and get. Uh, my friend, my really good friend uh, named Disha Filia, and I think this book you can get in India, um, uh, it's called The Secret Lives of Church Ladies. Um, and it is, it's it's brilliant it's brilliant and it's dirty too it has lots of sex and uh and scandal and but also it's very um heart-wrenching and poignant and and funny and and things like that so yeah those are the things that i recommend awesome i'm gonna share all the links i will put together like a list and share it with my listeners and any advice uh, like for people like if you were only allowed to give one piece of advice to the world to help them live a better life, what would that one advice be? Oh man! Oh my God! You really <laughs> are trying to like make me think here. Um, <laughs> you know, there's so many things I want to tell the world to do. Um, so many things, but just really 
try to be kinder to each other. I know that's what everybody says. I'm trying to be kinder, you know, to people, um, you know, and also recognize that everybody is not living the life that you are living. Um, everybody is has a completely different experience than yours. You are your own planet, um, and but there are so many other planets like that are, that are navigating um, this, you know, weird solar system on Earth. You know that we really have to try to uh, be nicer to one another and and not um, and not insist that everybody be like us. I guess that's the only thing, and that's so. It sounds so benign to say things like that, but I'm trying, I'm trying. I did not, I was, I, I've not always been a person like that myself. I'm not preaching from any mount, you know, um, but I'm trying myself to be better to myself and, and, and just better to other people as well. Yeah, no, this is definitely an advice that needs to be repeated and repeated so that, you know, somehow it will <laughs> get through to everyone in the world, hopefully. This is what, what I think about your book that, you know, there may be people who may not have experienced any of what you've shared, but they may have done those things to someone. And again, people who, yeah. who perpetuate that kind of cruelty are also in pain. So maybe there's so many perspectives in that book that you will be challenged not to relate to it. So yeah, that, that's it's a huge thing. Absolutely. Anything you, Absolutely. you want to share? No difficult questions, just anything you want to share. <laughs> anything that I want to share. I want a dog. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I want, I'm going to put that out there. I want a dog and I want a new house to put the dog in. Because right now my place is too small to have a dog. So I just want a house so that I can have a dog. Um, I'm putting that out there. Uh, I've been watching just dog videos on, on YouTube, um, just falling in love with dogs. I think it's about time I got a dog. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and a house to put the dog in. That's what I want to share. Yeah, yeah. You, you are doing everything right. I think buying a house for a dog, that sounds exactly right. <laughs> You're living life right. I would do the same if I could. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brian. This was humbling. This was amazing, Brian. Thank you so much. You are an astonishing person and I'm glad you exist in the world. Oh. Thank you. Oh, stop it. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That's very, that's very, um, it's overwhelming. And, and thank you. And thank you for sharing me with your listeners. That was the amazing Brian Broom. If you want to know more about our guest or you want to explore the resources mentioned during the episode, the links will be in the episode description. If you want to dive into similar content, go to my website, pratimehra.com, and there's a whole bunch of them for you to explore. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, please do rate and review the show on iTunes and share the episode on Instagram. Remember to tag me at mehra underscore prati so that I can thank you for your appreciation. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed creating it. Now, I'll be back next week. Till then, please do take care of yourself.